We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Managing Editor Derek Apollo with BJ Rydell from About the Labor and also writes for VikingsTerritory.com. BJ, welcome to the show as we preview the Rams-Vikings this weekend. Hey, thanks for having me there, Derek. I'm really excited about this. Uh, should be a great matchup and uh, an equally great podcast tonight. I don't know if anything can match that. You can get that matchup this weekend. I, this is, I was just telling you before we got started, Fans, you realize this is the first meaningful, really, truly meaningful game for the Rams since 2004. That's when they went to the playoffs, lost to the Falcons. It was brutal affair. No one wants to talk about that. 8-8 eight and eight that year. Uh, the Rams was 7-2, playing the Vikings at 7-2. You know, this also has a little bit of personal feeling for it. So the first question I want to ask you, BJ, is tell us a little bit about Sam Bradford. What's the story with him out there? You know, Sam Bradford is, as, as I'm sure you guys are all well aware, has kind of had a hard road to hoe, right? Um, it's, it seems like every time he kind of catches a break for himself, whether that's, you know, getting the multi-multi-million dollar contract he is as the number one overall pick with the Rams or the opportunity he had with, uh, in Philadelphia, it seems like he's always kind of been playing under borrowed time to some degree. And it seems like that's going to be the case now for him. Um, obviously he comes out with an unbelievable performance week one against the New Orleans Saints. Since then, 
You know, he showed up in the Chicago game. He did not look healthy at all. It honestly looked like a bit of a mistake for Minnesota to put him out there. And that's essentially what it's been like for him since that point in time a couple weeks ago. Um, there's been reports that he's been walking around on crutches in the, in the locker room. He's obviously on injured reserve for the rest of the year here. Uh, so, you know, you could make a good case of, that he is officially done in Minnesota with his contract expiring. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater getting healthy and Case Keenum playing about as well as he ever has in his life. Now you mentioned uh, limping around. What's, are, are they, is the team releasing any kind of information at all about Bradford and, and what the actual injury is? It seems like it's been you know clouded in this sure, world of mystery. Sure. I, you know, the, the team hasn't released a ton of information on it, but part of that might be that they don't know a whole lot. So t- obviously Sam Bradford has had multiple knee injuries throughout his career. Right? He has the two ACL injuries when he was the Rams. Now he's got this, uh, it, it sounds like it's buildup and he needed to have it scoped out. So he visited with Dr. James Andrews a couple of different times uh, and they don't really know what's wrong with him. But he's basically feeling constant discomfort in that knee. Um, and it seems like there's some dead tissue or something like that that needs to get cleared out. It might require surgery at some point. But to be honest with you, I don't think anyone truly knows exactly what it is that's wrong with Sam Bradford. There isn't a pinpoint issue. It's just the knee is giving him trouble. He can barely walk around. Um, he's in a lot of discomfort. And obviously, if you watch that Vikings-Chicago uh, Bears game, you could see that he was extremely uncomfortable out there. Uh, you know, he's never been a supreme athlete, per se, but he looked, uh, you know, just dysfunctional out there. It, it was sad to see, to be honest with you. Well, he's ne- yeah, like you said, he's never been a like, this major awesome athlete or anything. Right. But he's also been at least mobile enough to move around. So right. we're talking about he couldn't even do that. That is concerning to watch. And we do know Sam very well. We do wish him the best and, and hopefully being able to resume his career. Um, now, the rest of the team health-wise, where are the Vikings? We know there's been some injuries. What's going on? It seems like Everson Griffin's going to be back this week. It sounds like Anderson Dale is going to be able to play. So the Vikings, you know, are about as healthy as they could possibly get at this point. You know, Sam Bradford's gone down. Teddy Bridgewater has gone down and returned since he is not, uh, he was active for the first time in, I believe, like 600 days or 300 and something days last week. Uh, you know, that was nice to see, but he won't be the starter this week. Case Keenum has been named the starter. So as far as, you know, impactful injuries are concerned, Dalvin Cook, the running back out of FSU that was injured, you know, four weeks ago with that ACL tear, he's really the only major guy that it looks like will miss this week. Now, you mentioned Bridgewater and Keenum. Mm-hmm. The national media is making it sound like the Vikings kind of considered playing Bridgewater. Yeah. What's the real story here? Was that the case? Is it would seem kind of foolish the way Keenan's been playing of late that you would start him, but what, what's going on? You know, there are there are definitely arguments for both sides here. With Teddy Bridgewater, you know, you pick him in the first round back in the 2014 draft. He leads you to the playoffs at, with an 11-5 mark. Probably should have won that playoff game against the Seattle Seahawks, but Blair Walsh wide left. We know that whole story. Um, so he has he has a you know a solid history to fall back on. Now, the question with Bridgewater is, is he the same dude that led that team back in 2015? If that's the case, no pun intended, then he you know, has a right to be the starter once again based off of his potential alone. Um, you consider the player that was coming out of Louisville, what he was able to do on tape, um, that is supposed to be your franchise quarterback. But the way that Case Keenum has played the last several weeks here has basically kept him off the field. Uh, I think last week the Vikings were leaning towards potentially bringing Teddy Bridgewater in based off of what we heard from reports. Case Keenum ends up getting the start. He plays extremely well last week with exception to those kind of dumb interceptions late in the game. 
that I guess gave you know the Teddy apologist hope that he might start moving forward. Uh, but it seems like Case Keenum is going to be the guy at least this week and and possibly next week as well um, with a short weekend you know going into that Thanksgiving matchup with the Detroit Lions, a very important matchup for the Vikings. So um, Case Keenum appears to be the starter moving forward here, but there are plenty of people in Minnesota who want to see Teddy Bridgewater get back on the field. I think he's going to get that opportunity at some point, but until Case Keenum you know. You know, essentially plays poorly enough to warrant a quarterback switch. I think it's his it's his job to lose at this point in the season. Tell us a little bit about Keenum, though. I uh, when he was sure. with the Rams, he had his days. The problem we always saw with him was some decision making. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he didn't exactly exhibit the most powerful arm in the world. Sure, a lot of underthrown passes that he got lucky with, and eventually by the time you know by. You know, by the time the team was tanking last year, we actually got our podcast here and said, it's time to bench him. And most right. of us have been like, hey, you know what, sick off the whole year. Let, let him develop. Don't don't mess him up. Don't throw him to the wolves. But after seven, eight games, we're like, uh-uh, no, no. So right. this is what we saw Keenum last year. Can you tell me about Keenum this year? Why is he been able to, to succeed in Minnesota where he's failed in the past? Yeah, you know, that's a really interesting question and something that a lot of people who didn't believe in Case Keenum coming to Minnesota, believing that, you know, he was nothing more than a glorified backup quarterback, essentially, myself included. You know, I, I saw the tape when he was with the, the L.A. Rams and the St. Louis Rams and the Houston Texans and all of that stuff. You know, a solid spot starter, a guy that's going to give you a chance to win, but fairly limited, like you said. Um, not a supreme athlete by any means. That arm is, you know, it gives him trouble at points, essentially because he tries to fit the ball into tight windows when he doesn't necessarily have the arm strength to back it up. You saw him do that a couple times last week successfully, particularly with Adam Thielen in the t- uh, in the red zone there. There are plays that Case Keenum's mind is, you know, can work out perfectly that his body essentially can't cash. That's his biggest question mark for me moving forward and the reason why te- you know Teddy Bridgewater fans and his following believes that he deserves a shot because he does have higher potential in theory than Case Keenum does. But Case Keenum has continued to, you know, he's had a great rapport with both Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs who have been, you know, basically having breakout campaigns in their own right. Uh, Pat Shermer has done a phenomenal, phenomenal job, you know, getting his quarterbacks prepared, whether it's Sam Bradford or Case Keenum, um, and has been designing a ton of plays that have basically worked in their favor. Something that Case Keenum in particular has done well this year is the play-action fake. That helps with you know, with Dalvin Cook early in the year, obviously he was fairly um, dynamic out there. Jarek McKinnon and Latavius Murray had picked up the slack, um, and that has allowed Case Keenum to basically, you know, get good protection, get the defense coming in, and, you know, get one-on-one matchups with both Diggs and Thielen, um, and on occasion both uh, Laquan Treadwell and Michael Floyd as well, and that gives... You know, the Vikings a solid opportunity anytime you throw it up to at least those top two guys in Diggs and Thielen. So essentially what Case Keenum has done well is he's a very smart quarterback. I'm sure you guys are all well aware of that. He does everything well from an intangible standpoint, preparation, uh, game planning, scheming, re- executing plays. Just a matter of can his athleticism, his arm strength, all those quarterback traits, can they back up that mind that he has on his shoulders? Um, sometimes that's the case. Sometimes that's not. And... So you've seen a bit of you know, somewhat erratic play from him, but overall the, he has paid dividends for sure, um, especially working on that basically reserve-level contract. Now the Rams, though, they know him very well. The defense sure. know him. They play against him every day in practice. Does that concern you going into this game? 
I think any time, you know, a defense knows a guy or, you know, on the flip side, an offense knows a defensive player, there are some concerns to a degree. You look at when Mike Zimmer has gone back to play against guys like Jay Gruden last week in Washington, those guys worked together in Cincinnati, so they probably know each other very well, so there's some offsetting stuff there, right? Uh, you think that Mike Zimmer knows Jay Gruden well, you think that Jay Gruden also knows Mike Zimmer well, so you'll see sometimes where they'll kind of outwit each other, I suppose. I think this is a similar situation with Case Keenum where your defenders, they're familiar with his technique and the things that he does when he gets nervous or when he gets pressured. Um, I'm sure that they're very well aware of how he manipulates the pocket and those types of situations. But the one thing that, you know, is different here is the Vikings are running a completely different offense. It's, you know, even from the one that you guys saw back in 2015 when you saw like Greg Williams as their defensive coordinator. So this is a different offense a different case, Keenum, but, you know, there are some lingering effects, some tendencies that he still has that he, you know, had when he was in Houston even. So, you know, does it concern me? I won't be shocked if I see something come up that, you know, that I'm sure that the defense saw on tape and was well aware that he could do again. Uh, but at the same time, you know, these are professional football players. they got to prepare for everyone, regardless of if they played with them before or not. So I expect Case Keenum to come out and be able to, um, you know, have that same leg up, I guess, the defense may I have on him. Well, for me, I think this game, in terms of the Case Keenum-Rams relationship there, sure. what's going to happen, I think it's actually the Minnesota different offensive sure. line. Because the Rams' defensive line, they all know everything about him, but there are loopholes. There are, there are issues with the Rams' secondary, especially at the corner position. The corner two, Kayvon Webster struggled throughout the year this year. And if he gets time to throw against that Rams' secondary, he's going he's to put some yardage up. So to sure. me, my question for you is, how strong is the offensive line going to be against, you know, Michael Brockers, right. against Aaron Donald? If they could, cause to me, if they could stop him and they can give Keenum some time, the Rams are in trouble. Absolutely. You know, the Rams are one of those teams, and when we were discussing during the offseason, projecting what the Vikings defensive line was going to look like, the one team that we continuously came back to as being a defensive line that was potentially more star-studded than the one that the Vikings are going to be drop, dropping out, excuse me, trotting out, is that Rams defensive line. So there are a ton of concerns across the board there. Aaron Donald might be the best defensive player in the NFL right now. I think you can make a very strong case that that is, you know, true, especially with J.J. Watt being out for the year. Uh, you know, Robert Quinn is a beast as well. Um, there's a ton of extremely talented players on this defensive line. Now, at the same time, the Vikings have gotten borderline elite production from their offensive line this season. Riley Reef, the left tackle formerly of the Detroit Lions that came over in free agency, has not allowed a sack this year. I could argue that the game against Washington last week was probably his worst performance of the year, and it was still solid. Uh, they've been... You know, Mike Remmers on the opposite side, a guy that has been criticized highly, particularly because of his Super Bowl performance when he was with the Carolina Panthers when Von Miller absolutely tore him up. Um, he has been extremely solid as well. I believe he hasn't allowed a sack left yet either. Now, that brings you to the interior of this offensive line, right? You've got a rookie in Pat Offline playing center. You've got Nick Easton to his left uh, playing left guard, and to his right is Joe Berger, who is a veteran. It's very been very solid, uh, but at this point in his career, you never really know what he's going to get because he is so much older. So the the teeth of, your, of the Rams' defense, in my opinion, is that interior defensive line spot with Aaron Donald being the guy. The stunts and stuff that you guys run out there are extremely dangerous. 
it takes more than just one guy to stop Aaron Donald, and those three interior linemen are probably the weakest links right now this season. Pat Elfline has been very solid his rookie year, but he's also been, you know, a rookie to some degree. Some inconsistent play, but he is very athletic. I think that he is a good matchup with Aaron Donald, but anytime you're facing a defensive line like this, with two all-pro caliber players, one on the interior and one on the exterior, uh, with Robert Quinn and Aaron Donald, you know, there are going to be concerns, and I think this is probably the greatest challenge the Vikings will face this uh, this year in terms of talent um, on the defensive line. Well, judging from what you're saying, though, to me, an issue that you're, you didn't mention there is, is Brockers. Sure. Brockers has been that been that guy on the Rams defensive line who's made it possible for Donald to move around more sure. and, be, and be flipped around. Um, without Brockers, Donald isn't having the year he's having. Because all right. they would do is just double-team Donald, and that would be it. Brockers makes a huge difference there, and if I guess if there's going to be a concern there for you guys, and from my point of view, it's going to be what Brockers does and how well he plays. And, if he, you know, and again, also, we have no idea what's going on with Quinn. Quinn was out last week with, with uh, illness. Sure. And so right now everything's fine. Uh, he's going to play, so, but we never even found out what he was sick with, so. Right. Yeah, it's an interesting scenario for sure. Um, I'm glad that you brought up, you know, Michael Brockers as being an important cog in what you guys try to do because we have a similar type of situation, I suppose, with Linvel Joseph at nose tackle, a guy that is criminally underappreciated in my opinion, um, extremely talented, does so much for this Vikings defense in terms of creating pressure, eating blockers, doing all different types of stuff to get guys like Tom Johnson, um, his, you know, basically his partner in crime there on the 4-3 D, D line, uh, getting him free for situations and also creating creating one-on-one matchups for both Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter there. So, you know, it's an important point that you bring up because Michael Brockers is probably going to be kind of your clogger, I suppose, you know, in so many words. And that's, you know, that's a guy that can create lanes for Donald. And anytime he gets free, um, you know, you're, you're screwed basically because Aaron Donald is as good as anyone at just about everything regarding offense, excuse me, defensive line pressure. It also what makes Brockers even more dangerous now is he's starting to get more of a pass rush himself. Sure, sure. So the three fours worked out really well. This modified, yep. it was really a modified three four coming mm-hmm. off that old four three, and it's worked out very well for the Rams, especially now you have Ogletree in at linebacker with Mark Barron, who's been right unbelievable, moving from safety to linebacker. And so, right, you know the weakness of the Rams defense is the secondary. And sure. My question is going to be: Can can the Vikings or will the Vikings be able to expose that? Really quick before we move on, just want to give a shout out to our sponsors over the Golden Ram Barber Shop at one three seven five five Golden West Street in Westminster, California nine two six eight three. Sal Martinez, the man who owns that place, he held the door open when the Rams left, kept the lights on, filled his place full of Ram stuff. Come on in there and get a haircut. Marvel at his Rams Museum. I kid you not. We just went there today. Got pictures, videos, everything. You might as well have the Hall of Fame out there in his barbershop. Okay? You can get a haircut's place. Call him 714-894-7267. He's open 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday to Friday. Saturday open 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Oh, and you know Sunday he's watching Rams football. Sorry, he's closed. Okay? Again, that's 714-894-7267, the Golden Ram Barbershop. All right, BJ, before we move in, I, I kind of want to back up a little bit. The Vikings at 7-2 and two is a bit of a surprise. I mean, we expect them to be decent this year. 7-2 is a bit of a surprise. How'd they get there? What's really gone well for this team? It's interesting that you call it a surprise because I think a lot of 
people outside of Minnesota, whether it's the national media or analysts like yourself, uh, just of a different team. Um, I think, you know, the Vikings are somewhat underrated in terms of their overall roster talent, right? And that's something that has worked out very well for them. You look at a lot of teams, and the reason why you think they're a great team is because they have a great quarterback. Let's look at Green Bay, for example, because this is the team that, as a Vikings fan, that I hate the most. Uh, that's a team that has a very, very great quarterback probably the best in the league right now, uh, but nothing else, essentially. A uh, lot of question marks across the board. They're a solid running game, some good tackles, but on defense they're a problem. They can't run you know can't they can't move the ball effectively without Aaron Rodgers. Now the Vikings, what has made them so successful is this depth. They can win with basically anyone playing quarterback right now because of how well this defense is played. The offense it's, it's built around pieces that make the quarterback better, right? So the offensive line has improved a ton this year, like uh, dramatically. The Vikings shifted in five offensive tackles last year. Uh, they have played basically the, you know, the, the same front five all year long with exception of Nick Easton missing a couple of games for Danny Isadora. So the offensive line is a huge strength keeping, you know, allowing Case Keenum to have a pocket to work with. That's been a huge difference for this team this year. The defense has played you know, I guess as well, if not better, than the team last year in those first five games. The difference being they're not creating as many turnovers, not as many flash plays, but they're much more consistent, and that's more sustainable moving forward. Uh, so I guess what has worked for them is they're very well-rounded across the board. The receivers, the offensive line both make the quarterback position good, um, and this defense is just filled with all pros across the board. You know, you look at Daniil Hunter has the potential to be very, very good. Somewhere down the line, he's been somewhat uh, disappointing this year, at least in terms of creating sacks. He's still creating pressures. But Everson Griffin, Linville Joseph are both all-pro caliber players. Um, Anthony Barr has rebounded from a very pedestrian uh, season last year. Eric Hendricks next to him has been very solid. Harrison Smith might be the most underrated safety in the NFL, um, if not the most underrated defensive player in the NFL. Um, and Xavier Rose hasn't allowed a touchdown this year. He rarely allows more than 30 yards, so... The weakest link is Trey Waynes here, and he has been very solid over the last three or four games as well. So with this defense playing as well as it is, um, it's just a matter of getting to about 20 points. That has been the plateau. The Vikings win. I believe they're now 25-1 and when they score um, at least 21 points during the Mike Zimmer era. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. If they can get to 21 points, they expect to win games with their defense. So much of what you said is what we talked about hey, I, this year and what we've seen this year. Exactly, um, yeah. Even you guys are very defense. similar. And you guys are very down, similar. Yeah, even down the defense, uh, we knew coming in this year with the defense that we have, if we can just score 20 points a game, we're going to do well. Right. Now, we didn't, we didn't know we would be putting up 33 points a game. We didn't, <laughs> no one saw that coming. Matter of fact, you know, I had the team going, they had the Rams going 6-10. and 10. My cohorts in crime here had them doing a little better than the, than the Watkins trade went through. And then we started seeing how the pieces are going. And the way you describe it is, is very similar to us, okay? We have all these pieces now that are meant to make the quarterback better. Robert Woods, sure. Sammy Watkins, went out and got these tight ends, like Gerald Everett in the draft, you know, moving, shifting around, Tavon Austin here, and, and Todd Gurley's our big cog. And so all these pieces make Goff better. And then, same what you're talking about, we've had the same five offensive linemen. This, you know, from start to finish. A couple injuries here and there, but nobody's missed a game. So those same right. five, I think we're the only team in the league right now that have had all five play every game. And that's been f very fortunate for us. So the similarities to me are, are, are sticking out here. And especially given where the teams are, both 7-2, both leading division. And it makes me really, I'm getting jazzed for this game. 
again, it's the first meaningful game for the Rams in forever and a day. Right. Probably part of it. But the similarities are, this game, I think Sunday's going to be great. I think sure. it's a great one. I guess for you in this game, what are your key matchups? You know, you mentioned your secondary, uh, first of all, which, you know, to be honest, I actually think that the secondary that the, that the Rams bring out, I think it can play a lot better than it has this year. It has been a weakness based off what I've seen on film. I agree with you there. But I think that Tremaine Johnson and then Nickel Roby Coleman, uh, your nickel cornerback, are both very solid players. Um, Kayvon Webster, like you said before, uh, kind of up and down. He's sort of our Trey Waynes. Um, so I think that's kind of the difference here. If Can Case Keenum get time you know, with the pressure closing in as fast as it probably will this year um, with the offensive line protecting him um, to get one-on-one matchups downfield, take good shots, like quality shots, I should, I should say, um, with Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs against your secondary. That's probably the difference here. Um, you look at the matchup between Coleman and probably what will probably be um, – Adam Thielen in the slot there. That's a height advantage that the Vikings will probably like. So I imagine that the, you know, they'll try to exploit that, you know, physical mismatch. Uh, you know, obviously Roby Coleman has been a guy that, you know, has been overmatched in terms of size for most of his career. He probably can deal with that type of thing, but I expect the Vikings to certainly attack that and look for one-on-one coverage on the outside as well. So those are probably, you know, in terms of skill positions, the most important matchups for me. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to can the interior offensive line protect against Michael Brockers and Aaron Donald. That's the difference in this game. Um, we talk, I'm sure you guys talk about this too. If you win in the trenches, you're going to have an opportunity to win just about every football game. Um, so it's a little cliche, but I think that's ultimately going to be the difference this weekend. Well, I want to flip it around. So you mentioned our defensive line. Sure. Your defensive line against our offensive line right now. How are you feeling about that? For me, I'm fairly confident, but you know, I saw the Jaguars did to our offensive line. Sure. Gave us, a, but the Jaguars give everybody a hard time. <laughs> and then also, you know, there were a couple breakdowns this past weekend for the Rams against the Texans. The Texans with, with Clowney on the edge. So as a whole, they're stable. They play well together. They, they protected Goff very well. How is your defensive line? going to work against this offensive line for the Rams? Well, I think the premier matchup here, assuming that Everson Griffin plays, is obviously against your big money free agent. Maybe the most important cog that you guys ended this, added this offseason, with exception to Sean McVay, that is, um, and that's, you know, the big man Andrew Whitworth. He has been as solid as any left tackle in the NFL, including Tyrone Smith, you know, uh, all of these guys, he's he's up there with all of those names as far as I'm concerned. That's also a guy the Vikings pursued heavily this offseason, uh, but just he chose the Rams, and I think he's the difference maker here. So him and Everson Griffin should be a ton of fun to watch uh, because those are two guys that are extremely technically sound, but also very creative, too. So that should be a fun, you know, one-on-one matchup on the outside. Uh, where I think the Vikings can probably win here is probably on the opposite side. I think that the, I think that the Rams and Sean McVay will likely try to chip um, on the right side of the offensive line to help out. I believe it's Rob Havenstein still yes, out there. So, yeah. Right. So I believe that he'll probably get help from you know a chip, um, and whether that's Todd Gurley or you know one of your tight ends, I'm not sure. Uh, but I think that that one-on-one matchup is an indiv- you know that's a place where the Vikings can probably win with Daniil Hunter. I've been really impressed with John Sullivan as well. Uh, who was a former Viking, a guy that we keep tabs on. Um, we were all, you know, in Minnesota, um, disappointed to hear when his back gave out and that he wasn't, you know, potentially might have his career over. And it seems like he's sort of, I, I don't know, he's kind of found a new life to his career this year at center, um, which has been fun to see, but I'll love that individual matchup between him and Linville Joseph. Those are two guys that obviously know each other. I'm sure that they've gone head-to-head millions of times. Um, so that should also be a fun one to keep an eye on. Well, you mentioned Sullivan. Whitworth's getting all the accolades. 
Sure. And and he should. He's played great this year. Um, he is to me the, the Rams' best free agent signing. It's not even close. Right. Um, but you know Sullivan's a close second with Woods. Uh, Sullivan has been that anchor in there. He's been the guy post. Him and Whitworth together have really made that offensive line something that it certainly wasn't last year. Havenstein right. in his rookie year um, was solid, backtracked majorly last year. Right. Roger Saffold has always had potential, couldn't stay healthy. All of a sudden now he's playing outstanding at guard. Sure. And Jamon Brown, uh, you know, we had, we were concerned that he would wind up being, you know, a, a third-round draft pick that we wasted because he had his right. struggles. And all of a sudden, all five of those guys are playing great together um, under Aaron Cromer. And so, to me, it's Whitworth and Sullivan, though, that have really brought together. Sure. And really made this thing an actual cohesive unit. And Sullivan's been the kind of the unsaid hero. So, for you, for the Vikings, uh, folks who might actually tune in to this opposing podcast and listen in, I gotta tell you, Sullivan's been great. And, you know, we're, we're glad we got him from you. Goodness, we're glad. Um, <laughs> He's an excellent leader, too. You know. Uh, you know, I think you bring up a good point in terms of being a cohesive unit. When you bring in veterans like John Sullivan and Andrew Whitworth, that makes everyone else better because, you you know, you think about all the zone-blocking schemes that you guys run, um, whether it's to get, you know, Todd Gurley in space or anything else. Uh, that's working as a team, right? That's not just one-on-one matchups. So guy, having a guy like Whitworth next to uh, is Jamal, I believe it's Brown on the left side, you know, that just helps him that much more. That pairing just gets better because of how great Whitworth can be. So I don't think it's, you know, a shock that all of a sudden all these guys are playing great because they have these, re- you know, these veteran consistent players um, playing alongside them. That just makes everyone better. And the Vikings can say the same thing about the additions of Reef and Remmers this year. With your free agents, you know, give us a little information. How are they looking? Are these, you know, were they band-aids? Are they long-terms? How is this team looking moving forward from this year and the next year? It's It's interesting because... You know, the Vikings go out and get Riley Reef at left tackle. I think a lot of people believe that as a 27-year-old player, um, he could still get better. Uh, so I think he's a fortifying piece on that offensive line moving forward. I don't expect him to go anywhere. Uh, Mike Remmers signed you know, an extremely team-friendly deal and having arguably the best season of his career, so I don't expect him to go anywhere either. Latavius Murray is probably the most interesting addition this offseason because – you know, you saw the Vikings sign him before the draft. Then they go out and get Dalvin Cook in the second round, and he's basically playing on a prove-it type deal. It's a two-year contract, but the Vikings can get out from underneath it after just this year. So I would keep an eye on seeing whether he's with Minnesota next year based off the success of Jarek McKinnon and then also Dalvin Cook. Uh, but, you know, you look at the quarterback position, too. That's probably the most interesting uh, free agent, you know, situation. All three guys, Sam Bradford, um, Teddy Bridgewater and Case Keenum are all going to be free agents this offseason. So how the Vikings handle that will determine a lot of different things, first and foremost being who the franchise guy is going to be. Uh, if Teddy Bridgewater doesn't play a game the rest of this year, do they bring back both him and Case Keenum? Or do they make Case Keenum the franchise guy and go out and get you know a different backup quarterback at a more let's call it a more respectable salary that can, you know, Rob Brzezinski can mess around with a little bit. So that's the most interesting free agent scenario here. I think that there are question marks in terms of, you know, guys being Band-Aids. I think that Latavius Murray is probably a Band-Aid player. Um, it's just that wound healed a lot faster mm-hmm. than people expected with Dalvin Cook. Um, but at the quarterback position, I think at least one of these guys is here to stay. And it's hard to say which one it is going to be at this point, whether that's going to be Teddy Bridgewater or Case Keenum. I'm sure we'll get the answer over the next, you know, six weeks or so here. But that that's probably the most important thing to watch moving forward for the Vikings. You know, having watched Case Keenum over the years, I'm going to be honest, man, it's probably not Case Keenum. Right. <laughs> I just, think a lot of people agree with you on that. Well, he's, he's just limited. And, and like you mentioned, he's smart. Uh, he's got great intangibles, but his arm, 
and that was the reason why we were like, you know what, enough's enough, because he was floating balls, man. Right. You know, especially getting him in some weather as time goes on out there. Uh, that That's going to be the concern as well, is, is getting him in some weather. And that's a shame, because I think that uh, put his mind on a, a better physical specimen. Seriously, and, right. And you, you have a pro bowler there. And so I really, I, I we, we hope he does well. But if Tay Bridgewater comes in there and proves that he – can be the quarterback you guys thought it would be. Right. I, he's going to be the guy. Uh, my question: If you said free agent for Bridgewater, 14, yeah, he 15, actually, 16, 17? they didn't pick up his uh, his fifth year option last oh. year. It was sort of um, it, it made sense at the time because keep in mind, you know, Teddy Bridgewater went through that horrific injury. Nobody knew what he was going to be like when he came back, and I guess we still don't to a degree. Uh, but there was a there was question marks about his life when that injury occurred, right? That he might bleed out right there on the field. So it's tremendous to get him back just to being active on the 53-man roster once again. But there are so many question marks regarding what type of player he's going to be physically and also mentally. I mean, keep in mind here, if he gets hit just once, is that going to have, is that going to trigger some sort of mental stress with him? Um, is he, does, is he feel comfortable in that knee moving forward? Is he confident in his mobility still? Um, we have a lot of questions still to be answered with Teddy Bridgewater, but I completely agree with you that he was once asked to be the quarter, the franchise guy here in Minnesota. Um, I expect that he's going to get an opportunity to prove that he still is that guy. At some point here, um, simply because, like you said, Case Keenum is a limited player. Uh, but at this point, he's playing well enough to win. Um, with so many question marks surrounding Bridgewater, it's it's a situation where it makes sense to keep with Case Keenum essentially until he proves once again that he's nothing more than a backup quarterback. What do the Vikings do if they can't quite figure out Bridgewater by the end of the year? That's a fun question to answer, but I don't think there's an objective response to that question, right? Um, I think that there are a lot of ideas out there. People have thrown out the idea of bringing in Kirk Cousins, which I think is ridiculous. Uh, people have also brought up the idea of going out and getting Ty- Tyrod Taylor now that he's been bunched in Buffalo. So the quarterback position is very much a question mark in Minnesota, despite that 7-2 and two mark. Uh, there are people who certainly believe in Case Keenum's cause. There are certainly people that believe in P- Teddy Bridgewater's cause. Ultimately, what it comes down to is we haven't seen a large enough sample size of this good version of Case Keenum. He's never been this player before, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And Teddy Bridgewater, we just don't know. He hasn't played in, you know, a year. So we expect him to come back and be the same guy. But are we going to be able to figure that out in what might end up being three starts potentially at the back end of this season? I don't know. So what do the Vikings do if they can't answer that question? They probably just have to gamble with one of them, whichever one they believe is more suited, I suppose, because I do believe that Case Keenum is going to end up making some money off of this uh, string of wins he's had this year. Well, I can go back to Case Keenum in L.A., and the thing with Case Keenum out in L.A. was what we just talked about. The only thing, though, that I can say that's maybe helpful <laughs> sure. is that he played in what we now know, what Todd Gurley called a middle school offense last year. Right, you know, so, right. So this middle school offense with no protection, he was put in a lot of bad positions. So maybe right. we are actually getting to know the real Case Keenum now. Maybe we're getting to see the kind of quarterback that he can be sure. uh, on a weekly basis, but he's still limited. The arm right. strength isn't there. But you know what? Chad Pennington didn't have a great arm all those years right. ago for the Jets, and he still had a productive career. People so. love to bring up Trent Dilfer in Minnesota, you know, being able to be a, quote, mediocre quarterback from at least from a physical standpoint. 
uh, and still being able to lead a team with a powerhouse defense um, that's going to win the turnover battle every week and an offense that can kind of uh, maintain, I suppose, can you know keep opposing defenses on the field for long stretches at a time, that type of thing, uh, wear teams down and win in the fourth quarter. I think that's always been the model for victory in Minnesota, run the ball down throats, uh, play good defense, control the clock, that type of stuff. I'm sure it's very similar um, in Los Angeles as well. So I think that you're you're going to see erratic Case Keenum again this Sunday. There are going to be some balls that he floats. I think that he he kind of throw he tends to throw a couple ducks every single game, but he also has been very good at being aggressive. Uh, you know, I think that you're going to see the bad version, the one that you saw in LA at times this Sunday. But you're also going to see a completely revitalized Case Keenum. Um, and, you know, the way that Pat Shermer uses him is, like you said, so much different. Um, we're at least playing at a high school level now. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's um, it, it should be a fun game for sure. And it's a revenge game, too. So that should be interesting to see how Case Keenum reacts to that. Is that going to, you know, get him maybe too jacked up? Uh, we've never we've always seen him being an even keel guy, at least in Minnesota. But I'm sure he definitely wants to come out and get this win. So how that influences his performance, I guess we'll see on Sunday. One more real big question before we get to the prediction here. Sure. So, like I mentioned to you, it's been you know 2004 since the last meaningful Rams game. Sure. So the Vikings and the Rams have quite the history, especially when it comes to big games, going back into the 60s, right. into the 70s, um, even going back for us the 1999 season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, has there been any talk of that old history this year with both teams doing well out there? I think the the primary historical reference that I've been seeing this week, at least from a fan perspective, is the hit that LaMarcus Joyner laid on Teddy Bridgewater in 2015. Obviously, when Greg Williams is there, that's not necessarily a Rams thing, but the Vikings and Vikings fans do not like Greg Williams, obviously, because of what happened in the 2009 NFC Championship game when he's a defensive coordinator for the Saints. So that's the primary memory that has popped up a ton here. Uh, but at the same time, I've also seen references to, you know, remember that late 90s Vikings offense was so unbelievable, so much fun to watch. And you guys had an equally great offense, you know, Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, Kurt Warner, all those guys, greatest show on turf. Uh, that you know, that type of thing gets brought up as well because these are, you know, these are two teams that have had arguably the two greatest offenses, you know, at least of the 90s and probably top five offenses of all time. So you're probably always going to see that historical connection just based on the fact that these teams were so offensively strong at the same period of time, essentially. I'll still argue ours was better. Yeah, I figured figured you might. (laughs) I wish, though... And I gotta be honest, you know, our site focuses a lot more on the history. I do wish that they did come up more there. You know, the Vikings have actually had the better of the Rams in most of the major matchups in the past right. in the 60s and 70s. You know, I, I honestly believe that if it hadn't been for the Vikings, the Rams make at least one, if not two, other trips in the two Super Bowl in the 70s. Right. The Vikings got in their way and, and, and beat them. And so, uh, if there's gonna be a rivalry for the Rams that brings back those old NFC memories, it's the, it's the Vikings. And I'm do ho- I do hope that this is the beginning of a new era for sure. Rams football and for Rams Vikings football. My earliest memory of Rams Vikings is the 1988 NFC wildcard game. And the Vikings beat the Rams 28-17. Sure. Uh, Jim Everett was the quarterback for the Rams at the time. And back then, the Vikings were perennial contenders every year. Now it's like right. they're good for a couple of years, they go down for a couple of years, and it, you know, we I'll still, it. And I'll still take that over the Rams, what the Rams went through. As a history guy, as a history buff, I missed that. I want that Vikings-Rams rivalry back. And so I'm hoping this is the weekend that that starts that up. Well, you know, just to 
to add more fuel to the fire, I suppose. This is one, you know, not on-field matchup, but a kind of a head-to-head matchup that I've loved this week. I've, you know, I've spoken on our podcast, uh, relentlessly, not, and this is a Vikings podcast, keep that in mind, about Sean McVay and how much I love what he's able to do. He is an offensive stud at, you know, what is it, 32, 33 years 31. old? It's 31. It's ridiculous what he's been able to do. So he is becoming, you know, he's becoming kind of the next version of Sean Payton. Remember when Sean Payton came in and just exploded with that Saints offense, sort of revolutionized uh, that, you know, that school of that Air Coriel school of thought over there? Um, you're seeing, in my opinion, Sean McVay do a similar thing in terms of switching, you know, flipping the script completely with this offense. We knew you guys had the pieces last year, but Jeff Fisher is... Jeff Fisher, and Sean McVay comes in and builds this offensive juggernaut. Now he gets to bring it up against Mike Zimmer, who has been one of the best defensive call- play callers you know, in the league for at least the last 10 years or so. Um, with Cincinnati, Atlanta, all the way, the way back to the Dallas Cowboys days, he's been known as a defensive guru. So this is a battle of the wits in my mind. It should be a lot of fun to see what type of designs they come up with to fool each other because – you know, let's keep in mind too. These are guys that are familiar with each other. You know, Sean McVay obviously grew up with Jay Gruden, um, learned a lot from him, and I'm sure Mike Zimmer knows Jay Gruden as well as anyone in the NFL. So there's going to be some give and take there, and that should be a ton of fun to watch, and could be you know the foundation of this rivalry that you're talking about moving forward. Um, the strength of the Vikings is probably going to be the defense moving forward. Where despite all the superstars you guys have on defense, it seems like Sean McVay is going to turn this into an offensive team, and that could turn into a fun head head matchup every couple of years or so. The thing here is this, and we've seen it a couple times thus far this year. Sean McVay, the Rams hit a home run when they got him. Absolutely. Okay, He will have this team contending for an awful long time. The guy eats, drinks, he lives football, and he's right. in, it's infectious with this team. Okay, They bought into what he's selling. Sure. But he still makes mistakes, and we saw that last game, early in the game against Texas. He's putting up, he's putting a tight end and a wide receiver up trying to block Clowney, okay, you know, Jadavion Clowney, you know, didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work, okay, not even close. And so he'll, he'll experiment here and there, and he'll play with things, and that's where teams can get him. While he's still right. playing with things and he's still trying to figure this out and, you know, play his game of chess, that's where teams can take advantage of the Rams, especially early in games. He's mm-hmm. the, the Rams coaching staff is very good at making those in-game adjustments sure. in the second quarter, moving into the third quarter. They will, if the Vikings can jump up on them early, you know, that's where they can get the Rams. If, if they allow the Rams to make these adjustments in the second and third quarter, the Rams are going to win this game. That's what they're good at. That's what they do. But they make mistakes early. Sure. They make a lot of mistakes early as they figure things out. I, I chalked it up to be a young coach who still is getting a feel for it. Right. And that's Probably where I, call. I that I mean, that's. To me, these teams are very well matched up on paper, and I think that's where those intangibles come into where you have an sure. experienced coach with Mike Zimmer, who, like you said, they, he he knows Jay Gruden well. Um, McVay learned from Gruden. I think you make a great link there, and that's what, to me a key of the game. Sure, absolutely. You know, it, it's it's going to be a lot of fun for sure. Just to see, you know, to kind of see what they come out with in terms of their initial script, right? What Sean McVay thinks is going to work initially in the first quarter is likely, as you said, going to be completely different from what he thinks is going to work in the fourth quarter. And that battle of minds, uh, battle of, you know, opposing gurus here should be a ton of fun to see the adjustments that Mike Zimmer makes in order to, you know, fix, I guess, band-aid whatever McVay is throwing at him and vice versa. So that should be a ton of fun to watch this weekend for sure. 
All right, well, you know, it's that time now. It's that time. Let's go ahead and roll out our predictions. BJ, make your call. You know, I have been talking on our show the last couple of weeks about how the Vikings, over this stretch of games here, starting with Washington, they needed to go 3-2 and two over these next five games here. Atlanta and Carolina are also in this stretch. It's very important stretch of games. Playing at home, you know, you'd like to, you'd like to think the Vikings are going to win this game. Uh, it's a game that you you know you hope to get. Anytime you're playing at home, you hope to get a victory. But this is definitely the most difficult opponent the Vikings have faced this year. I don't think the Saints were quite up to snuff when they faced them Week One. Uh, so this is the most difficult opponent that Case Keenum has faced. This is the most well-rounded roster that I think the Vikings have faced this year. And I think that Case Keenum needs to come out and prove that he's not just good against quote bad teams, right? Against Green Green Bay without Aaron Rodgers, Chicago transitioning to Trubisky, Baltimore is in shambles. Um, all of these teams that he's beaten over the last couple of weeks here have not been great teams. So this is a statement game here. Uh, and I think the Vikings are, end up, are going to end up coming up just a little bit short here. I'll take the Rams winning 28-24. to 24. I'm actually surprised you a little bit. I'm going to go, the Rams are road tested. They play sure. very well on the road. One thing they've done, they, they've done a great job at is getting this team prepared no matter where they go. Um, I, I like the fact that they know Keenan very well. They know his tendencies. I like that it's at a good time this season for them. They're not too banged up yet. However... I do also believe the Vikings are going to come at some of the very same things I talked about. They're going to make some moves early. They're going to try and expose Kayvon Webster on, you know, opposite of Tremaine Johnson. The Rams will be aggressive there. I think the Rams will make some mistakes. I think this game's going to go in the fourth quarter. It's going to be a close one all the way out. I'm going to take the Rams 23-20, and it would not shock me if this game went to overtime. Yeah, I'm with you all the way. I can completely see this game going into overtime. Like you've been saying and kind of we've been talking about, maybe the theme of this show even has just been how evenly matched these squads are, and it might come down to a stupid turnover. Whether that turnover happens in the first quarter or the fourth quarter, um, that might end up deciding this game. So I like your prediction even maybe a little bit more than mine because it's also assuming that the Vikings don't get to that 21-point plateau that I just re- that I referenced earlier. Um, that could be the difference here. And I'm just thrilled for this matchup because, you know, the Vikings have been competitive over the last couple of years, uh, but they've never been borderline dark horse Super Bowl contenders. And making a statement in this game, um, this could be the difference between not having a bye and having a bye uh, when we go through tiebreakers a couple of weeks down the road. So extremely important matchup. Could go either way. Um, excited for this one for sure. Well, there's, there's one thing about that, too. For the Rams, I think this game, and I'm probably reading too much into it, but the Vikings have kind of gotten in their way in the past few years when they have played it, where the, we thought the Rams were going to finally make that move to the next step, and the Vikings shut them down. A great sure. example of this is, is in 2012. The Rams, they, they, uh, the Vikings visit the Rams in St. Louis. The Rams are very close to being in that playoff race, or in the playoff sure. race, and they have a shot, and Adrian Peterson comes in there and runs over them. Just, it's 36-7 sure. to 7 before we can even breathe in that game, and that's pretty much it for the Rams. I was at that game. And right. I, I saw it firsthand, just the ugliness of that. And, and since then, the Vikings, when these two teams play, there's usually something on the line for the Rams that is like, okay, you know what, we get this game and maybe they're going to move to that next step. And sure. the Vikings always get them. And so there is somewhat, I think, of an importance to this game, to this matchup. And I think this is not going to be, I'm going to make the call right now, this is not going to be the, the last time these two teams meet this year. I really hey. think that. That's a, hey, you know, as far as bold predictions go, that's definitely a solid one because, you know, you could, you could totally see 
one of these teams, probably likely the loser of this game, um, ending up being a five or six seed because, you know, you've got Seattle out there in the West. Uh, we've got Detroit kind of somewhat sneaking up on us with the whole easy schedule on the way out here. So this, this game could be a difference maker here. And you could ultimately see the winner of this game become like a two or a three seed and the loser you know, not make the postseason at all. Potentially, we've seen that happen with the Vikings in the past. So I'm not, you know, I don't want to count them in just yet, especially after last year. But the loser of this game could find themselves like a six seed. So you could see a three six matchup in the first round of the playoffs. It could happen. And that's it's certainly a, a, you know, a warranted bold prediction, I would say. And that's what I'm thinking. And also along the same lines, though, we're seeing some some folks talking this week about how a ten win team in the NFC might not even right. make the playoffs. And you can look at the Rams schedule here. We face, this game is the first of a gauntlet. The Rams are going to have the Vikings, they're going to have the Saints, they're going to have the Eagles, they're going to have the Titans, you know, and then they have the Seahawks here. So what the Rams have the rest of the way, they need to win. You know, they, they'll probably win three or four games the rest of the year and they still might not even get in. It depends on how Seattle moves the rest of the year and so on. I really do think this is not going to be the last time these two teams see each other this year. Yeah, I can see it. I'm with you all the way on that. All right. Well, folks, BJ and I have been talking Rams-Vikings now for almost an hour. I, it's past my bedtime, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead and, you know, BJ, thank you for joining the show. We had a great conversation. I'm hoping we, we meet again later on this year to talk another Rams-Vikings matchup. Again, folks, can you let folks know where they can find you? Absolutely, yeah. So the, first, the kind of the best way to follow my work and uh, what I'm doing over at Vikings Territories to follow me on Twitter, uh, that's at Robert Rydell, R-E-I-D-E-L-L. Uh, that's the best spot to find everything that I do, whether it's high school sports in Minnesota, if you happen to be someone who cares about that, um, or the Minnesota Vikings. You know, I do have a buddy who's a Rams fan, so I, I do keep in uh, in touch with the Rams quite a bit. So uh, Vikings Territory, about the Labor Podcast, my buddy Drew Mahold. I can find that on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, across the board. should be able to find it if you just Google it. So. That's pretty much where you can find my work, um, and yeah, I hope to see you guys, and uh, like I said, it should be an awesome matchup this week, really looking for, forward to a thriller. Ladies and gentlemen, for BJ Rydell over at About the Labor, this is Derek C. Paul, your managing editor over at Rams Talk. We'll talk to you Sunday, Rams Vikings. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound. So you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.